my father and had to bring all that with me. All right, we're live, Mama. Oh, yeah? Okay. So, this is Free Me Podcast, as some of you probably know, and as some of you don't, you should know. And today, I am with Angie. And Angie is the daughter of George Skates. Um, The daughter or granddaughter? The daughter, right? Advocate. Advocate. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, that's okay. No, I apologize. So... You are an advocate for George Skates, um, and George Skates is uh, an individual that has been locked up since the late 70s, correct? 1982. 1982, and he was involved in the Lucasville riots that um, is now become infamous. They've they've made a movie about it. I I believe it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime, one of the two you can watch. Yeah, the Netflix. and George was accused of committing a murder within the riots. Is this so? He was accused and convicted of three kidnappings and three murders or having a part of it. But okay, um, there's five main characters in, in Lucasville Uprising in 93. Um, they're called, they're kind of referred to as the Lucasville Five. Um, but they all are, of course, fighting for themselves, fighting for their lives right now because they're on death row. Um, George should have never even been in Lucasville because of the wrongful conviction of the original crime was the murder of Arthur Smith that he did not, he didn't do. There's no evidence. There's no witnesses. There's there's nothing. He had served one year in prison prior to this for forgery. No violent crimes. Um, he just got a little, he was selling some marijuana. And back in the 70s and 80s, what he had was quite a bit. And it was stepping on some toes in Logan County. And uh, they didn't like it very much. And it's, it's well known around the town. I'm not from that town, but sure. Now, you were telling me before we went live that um, Logan County was, was uh, somebody made a reference that if you wanted to get away with murder, do it in Logan County, right? Yes, Paul Harvey. Uh-huh, okay. Paul Harvey, he was an announcer or a broadcaster, um, mm-hmm. but he was well-known. It has to do with the corruption. There's a book being written right now by Rob Sinclair. I don't know what the name of the book's going to be, and George should be in that also. And, but what it has to do with is um, the corruption and the cover-ups and the prostitution and the drugs and the stealing of the guns, the laundering of money that went on. It, it may not occur now, but from investigating this case, We've uncovered a lot. The reason why Mr. Smith was murdered was because he was the manager of ranks in Bell Fountain. And um, he was was put there. He was bound. He was gone for nine days. Murdered, shot four times. Left in a field. Mm. For three years, they had no suspects, no one. Um, they had a suspect, actually. There was a fingerprint in the car that was used. Um, There shouldn't have been that fingerprint in there. And supposedly, the story that this jailhouse snitch has told is um, he and George together went to rinks. They cased the place. They had scanners. They waited for Mr. Smith to leave. They knocked him over the head, put him in the car, and Jimmy drove, and George was passenger holding the gun on Mr. Smith. Um, and the, the snitch was having a hard time driving the vehicle because he said, because it was a Volkswagen, and most Vol- Volkswagens are clutched, but this was an auto shift. It had been modified. He didn't know that. He was fed information from the prosecutor, from the newspapers. 
And um, he was serving 37 to 137 years at that time for robbery, rape, um, shooting other people. There was another murder. He he got there was at least six or seven people in this case that got total full immunity. So this man, this was in 1982, 1983, was serving 37 to 137 years. In 2005, he was paroled. He's walking the streets here in Ohio now. And George is George. on death row. Yes. But he ended up on death row because of Lucasville. Of Lucasville. But he was in there in Lucasville because of this crime here for murder. Yes. So it's easy for them to say, well, he was already in prison for murder and just tie it all together and, and be done with it, sweep it under the under the rug. Okay, so I'm bringing you on today for what? Because we're it's 2.50, it's three o'clock now. So today's event is what? What are we doing? We're gonna call Joellen Smith. She's the Chief Communications Director of the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. I've been dealing with her for about a year and a half now. Um, but specifically for George, in the media since January, um, we've put in at least at least 10 or 12 requests. Every two weeks, I'm putting them in for you and for a couple other people. And the policy is she's supposed to speak with the warden or assistant warden. And according to the discipline and the conduct record, they may or may not allow the interview. Well, George got one conduct, got one disciplinary in 20 years, one, and that was in December, and they're using that. Back in 2012, 2013, the ACLU represented the Lucasville Five Guys because they were blocking their access to media, and they won. They won that case, and now the ODRC is doing it again. Mm. Um, I've got it in document, documented in our files how many times I've emailed. I made sure that I emailed, so that way I have it in writing. The denial. I've talked to the legal department myself. I have. I don't don't shy away from calling and getting people on the phone, making them accountable. Which and is why, which is why you reached out to me, and which is why I'm bringing you on live so we can start documenting um, the runaround that you get. So uh, she's expecting your call now. If you want to go ahead and give her a call. Okay. Can you hear us? Yes. Your call has been forwarded to a so we'll call the other number. I've got two numbers for her. And I know that she is expecting your call because we reached out to her yesterday and um, sent her an email letting her know that we were gonna call her this afternoon. And so she, she, she does know that you're calling. Yes. If, if nothing this time, just leave a message um, for her to call you back that you're waiting on her call and then we'll give her like 10 minutes. So that was, she must have sent that. Yeah, she sent that. So she knows that you, so leave a message. Joellen, it's Angie. 440-370-0748. Um, I was supposed to call you today around three o'clock. It's my break and talk about George. So we can see if we can get approval for him to be interviewed and do a podcast and get his story out there. Um, so give me a call as soon as you can, please. I'll try your other number. I'm not sure if I called the same number twice. Thanks. Bye. So I wrote down the number because I'm not sure if I called the, which number I called the first time. Okay. 
she knows I don't give up anyway. Yeah. No, she she definitely sent you through. But I mean, she's a busy person, I'm sure. And and who knows mm-hmm. what she's got going on. She may be in the meeting that she was talking about. So. Hi, Joellen. It's Angie. Hi. How are you? Good. Sorry, I was on the phone. I Yeah, I thought so. It only rang twice and went to voicemail. Um, I So Mr. Jenkins must have been caught up in something. He and I were supposed to talk at 1.30 today, and I have not talked with him yet. So, um, I don't have an answer for you yet, but I just so you know, I am trying to schedule time to talk with him because I have a bunch of different things I actually need to talk to him about, not just your request. So, okay, I appreciate that. Um, what do you what do you think the chances are? I mean, because he's had no more disciplines, no conducts. He's had the just the one back in December. But you know, I was looking at the policies, and I didn't see a policy um, that has to do with. Say, for example, if I recorded a call with him and I wanted to put it on um, my Facebook page or YouTube, I did not find a policy according to that that says that I cannot do that. It's not that it's an interview because it's just me. I'm not a journalist or anything like that. So I believe I believe there's some language in the JK policy. That has to do with recording um, visits, but I don't have that policy right in front of me. My policy only addresses media interviews. Okay, so would that be podcasts and YouTube? Because that's not in person and it's not live, because that was one of your concerns was if it was live. Right, the media policy prohibits live recordings of interviews you're correct yeah so um what do you think the chances are since he hasn't been in trouble it's been six months i don't know i I really need to talk to the prison i don't want to i don't want to guess right i have to have them weigh in on these things so but i am trying to talk with him can you tell me what the determining factor could be what you're going what it's going to be based off of I mean, I'm not trying, I am trying to be pushy, I guess, because it, it's been a long time and it's really a violation of his rights, Joellen. I mean, it is. I remember ACLU and these guys went to court already against ODRC for this and won. And he just wants to get a story out there about Arthur Smith. You know? Again, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, the chances are X percent or whatever. I, I just need to talk to the prison about it. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. You think, what is today, Tuesday? You think you'll know something by Thursday? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. Thank so you. As soon as I talk to them, I'll be talking to you. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. We can call the prison if you want. Mr. Jenkins will get on the phone. That's who she's going to talk with. I don't mind. He knows me by name, by first name. <laughs> well, I think um, I think I would like to let Mr. Jenkins know that that um, you know that that if if we call, I'm thinking that I would want to uh, let him know that you're on live with Free Me TV, mm-hmm. Free Me Podcast, wanting to know why um, his rights are being violated or hindered. Um, and such. My idea with that would be, why don't we then hold off on that call? Um, see what he says, and then we have more of a valid point to call him and ask him why. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I would call him. I would call from from you know the the podcast itself. Let him know that you know I have Angie on the line with me, um, and we're just trying to get things done. You know. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good to me. We'll call legal department too if we have to. I've got their numbers straight to their attorney. Um, the Lins, Stoughton Lynn and Alice Lynn, they were very big advocates for George um, several years back. They wrote books about Lucasville Uprising. They were big supporters of George. Um, they have very good friends that are on chief legal counsel. For ODRC, and I've been in touch with them. And when I spoke with, and I, I documented this too, 
when I spoke with Mrs. Lenz the last time, it was about a month ago. And I asked her if she'd heard anything back because they had reached out to the chief legal counsel. And she said, no, they hadn't. And I said, well, would you be able to reach back out? She said she would. Um, they're attorneys, but they're in their 90s now. They're not really wanting to get involved again, mm -hmm. but they're big supporters. Um, Sheila would be a great person for you to talk with and her brother, Mike, that's the son and daughter of Arthur Smith. Yeah, you know, and, and as I said, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, the, the platform that I'm building is for people to come that like yourself um, and, and, and the Skates family and so many other families that feel like they don't have a voice, nobody's listening and they don't know where to go. Um, I, I know what that feels like. My family knows what that feels like. So this is one of the reasons why I'm building this platform. And, and, I, and, and I bring anybody on. All I ask is, again, that it's, it, it remains factual, right? Because I'm, I'm not here to slander anybody or to, to provide like an emotional venting post for anybody because I know it can be easily. And a lot of a lot of other channels are, are swaying that way. For me, it's more um, facts, evidence, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to rally a nation, right? I'm mm -hmm. trying to bring a nation of people together so that we can overtake what's happening to our citizens. And the only way that that can be done is with facts and truth that people can see and they can stand behind 100%. So that's all I ask. Absolutely. And that's all you'll get is facts. I can't give you evidence because there is no evidence. Right. For more more than one reason. One, because he's innocent. The other reason is even if even the little bit of evidence they did have that was came from the victim's body, it's all missing. Um, in November of 1990, Doug McElvery was the prosecutor, the original prosecutor also of Logan County. He was a good old boy. And he ordered all the evidence and exhibits to be returned back to the Logan County Prosecutor's Office. The very next day, Michael Brady, who's now a judge here in Ohio, um, in, I think it's Franklin County, um, he went and picked up the stuff. And this is all documented in the, in the records. He went and picked up, he went to the courthouse, picked up all the evidence. And no one knows where it is now. There were cigarette butts that could be tested for DNA now, two different brands. George never smoked. But the two people that we think are responsible smoke, and they smoke two different cigarettes. I mean, it's yeah. Well, it's the same. It's the same with Tamujin. It's the same issue with Tamujin Kinsu. You know, yes, there's no smoking gun, and that's what they're holding their hand up. You know, hanging their hat on is well, you have no smoking gun because there is no smoking gun. But everything, everything shows that the man is innocent. You know what I mean? So How does that happen? Well, because you're, w w as you see, Angie, we're in a time where people just deny truth. They deny facts. They want to just label things as they are for own personal agenda. Um, and, and the 70s and 80s and the 90s was a mm -hmm. very, very corrupt time. We think we're in a corrupt time now. Yeah. But it, it was nowhere near as corrupt as it was back then because now... We have cameras. We have cam. Everybody's a walking camera anymore, right? A walking recorder. They can't do the things that they were doing back then. But right. it's 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 all going to come undone, you know. If you believe in truth, if you believe in goodness, you know, it it'll it'll work itself out in the way that it does. We may not be happy with the way that it works out. We may not even see it in our lifetime, but we just have to know that. Good is always going to prevail one way or another, you know? You know, I, I do believe that. And I was told actually by this Joe House Snitch, Joe House Snitch, his attorney, J.C. Ratliff, who's in Columbus. Lady, you're looking at life through rose-colored glasses. Those were his exact words to me. Because I said to him, as I said to a retired Logan County Sheriff, which I'll share his name sometime. Um, and Bell Fountain Police 
chief. Not now, was. Um, I spoke to all three of them and my words to them were, you know, George Skates did not commit this crime. He did not murder Arthur Smith. The sheriff, ex-sheriff ex says, um, he was a scary man. I said, wait, what do you mean scary? But he didn't murder Arthur Smith. That's what he's in there for. He's not in prison for being, being scary. scary. Right. Right. And he said it three times. I repeated that question three times. The, the cop from Bell Fountain, his answer, and I've got this all on recording. His answer is, <laughs> he may not have done that, but he's done other things to get himself in prison. Really? Did, I, and I said to J.C. Ratliff and the other two, if this is the criminal justice system, then it's not working. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And well, that's, well, that's how it is, though. And again, this is this is why I try to bring enlightenment to it, because this is this is what goes on. It goes on in every city, every neighborhood, every precinct, every prosecutor's office, every courthouse. It goes on everywhere. Right. Is the fact that we don't have enough evidence on this guy, but we know he's doing something. Right. Right. So let's just get him off the streets and, and be done with him. You know, and that yes. is the, that is the attitude that they have, and 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 all the all the areas that I just described. So, and it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop anytime soon. The only way it's going to stop is we raise our children to think differently, right? Mm -hmm. You have yeah. you have to wash that out. It's it's already here. It's implemented, and and it's not going anywhere for for several generations. We have to train our children not to think that way. We have to teach our children better. That's the only way that this is going to stop. But it goes back to voting, I think. Well, it goes knowing who you're voting, who you're putting into office. It's not exactly the answer, but it's part of. And also, I think there needs to be integrity units of common people, at least two offenders or ex-offenders. It, it's hard to say. I mean, you know. I, I'm a big subscriber on the fact that these convicts that are coming out now that have served 20, 30 years, you know, um, we just look at, we know what the truth is. And we've been in a time capsule, you know, and we've watched life evolve the way that it, its ugly self has through a window, right? We haven't really been part of it because we've just been set to the side. You know, I've described this in a couple other episodes where you know, like with, with social media, when I was out there, there was no social media. I come out, social media is a fabric of life, you know? So it's, I, 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 I compare it to kind of like the frog in the boiling water, you know? Society itself has slowly been boiling to death where I come out and I'm seeing like, this water's fucking hot, you yeah. know? And, and yeah. it's, and you're right. I think, I think that a lot of us, that have um, that unique uh, skill, maybe, uh, you know, a sight for how it is now, we do need to be in positions where we can, we can kind of be beacons for people or, or help people understand like what's going on in your lives that that's bringing this, this atrocity to you. Because at the end of the day, it's all on us. It's all on us as an individual. It's it's on the prosecutor that's on their way to work and they have a quota that they have to fill. You know, they they, they have an agenda that they have to fill for their careers. Um, the pressure's on them. If they don't get this case, they're not gonna get their promotion. You know, so it's all the pressures on the individuals themselves. And for that individual to step up and say, you know what, what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. You know, and don't be afraid and don't be afraid. But see, again, this is why I say there are no good cops. Right. Because it's not that. It's not that the man that's putting on the uniform is not a good man. He's probably he may be a very good man. He may be a good husband, a good father. He may be he may do all the things that attribute to him as a good man. But when he puts that uniform on, he becomes a different person. Right. He's not that good man anymore. 
because now when he sees a crime being committed that he would lock me up for, he's not doing the same for that cop, that dirty cop that he knows. There's not a cop that can tell me that he's not aware of wrong that's happening, that he's letting go by because he's scared of his career. He's scared of his life. And he would rather let innocent people go to prison or die than speak up because he don't want to lose his salary or his career. Exactly. You know, you just nailed it because I was just relating that to George's case. And there was um, a very high-ranking um, officer in Bell Fountain talking on in Bell Fountain. And he told the son of Arthur Smith, which is Michael, I know what happened. I've got news for you. I've got the story for you, but I can't tell you now. I can't tell you. And he was a good man. He's, he's since passed away. He was a good man. He was a good father. He, he was very well liked around town. But because of the investment that he's already invested many years into this, and this is his hometown, he, he wouldn't tell on his fellow cops. Because honestly, it's said that one of the Bell Fountain police officers, I won't share his name yet, um, was possibly involved. So I think it gets a little juicy. And, and see, again, that's the thing, right, Angie, is we, we say things because we mean them, but I, I, I don't know. You know, it's it just to me, that's that's not a good man. I'm not a good man. People say I'm a good man. I'm not a good man. You know, I want to be. I strive to be. But I still do things that isn't honorable, isn't, you know, um, respectable, things of that nature, because I'm still a human being and I have faults. But at the end of the day, a good man, a good human being has control of those faults. And doesn't let those faults hurt other people. You know? can't be perfect. Well, you can't be perfect, right? You 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 can make mistakes, of course. We all mm-hmm. make mistakes. But again, it's knowing that my mistakes are not hurting other people. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? It's it's not allowing my mistakes to continue to intentionally hurt other people. So if I know that people are being hurt, right? And, and I'm allowing, I just turn my, my cheek and, and allow it to happen. Does that make me a good person? Will, will the Lord look at me and say, you're, you're a good human. I'm proud of what you did on this day. That is how I look at things. It's not, it's not so much on a material plane as far as what my neighbors think of me, but how do I know, Angie, that that whole situation, my whole life wasn't built up for God to put me in that one position to test See what me. you would do? Is my life more important than the next man's that I can walk away and let his die so I can continue to live? That is yeah, the everyone... qu- That's the question we face every day. Every time we turn our back on somebody because we fear to help them out of uh, retribution from another person. That's what we're doing. We're choosing, we're saying that my life is more important than that person's. That's so frustrating too, because there, a lot of people are not involved because criminal justice doesn't affect them. They think they don't have a loved one in, they don't have a friend inside. They haven't had to deal with the law. So it don't, it don't affect them. So they're not speaking out. And if they only knew. <laughs> there's a lot of scared people. These mm-hmm. are very scary times for people. And and again, because the condition that I've been through and so many others like me, I can I can handle these times because I've been through tougher. And a lot of other people have, but a lot of people haven't. A lot of people are facing things in their life that they've never had to face before. People are waking up, Angie, and, and still wanting to go back to 2019, saying, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. Yes. Because they can't realize that life has altered and changed so fast in front of them that there is no going back. 
That's sad. There's a lot of people that are in pain. A lot of people are committing suicide. A lot of people are turning to drugs. A lot of people are are turning to murder. People are giving up because they don't know what to do, you know, and, and it's, it's scary times, you know, can't trust anyone. I, I used to trust and I still, you could lie to me 15 times and I catch you. I'm still going to believe what you say in your next sentence. Um, and it takes many years of abusing me that way before I finally figure it out. But since this case, because just about everyone, everyone has some part in it, whether it's covering it up, not speaking out, um, just still remaining quiet. They know the story and they're still remaining quiet because they're fearful. I There's a person that's been in touch with me on Facebook and she says that she's a psychic, intuitive. She's from the town and she started giving me some information. I found out what she does for a living it has to do with the court. Um, here recently, she messaged me on Facebook and wanted to know, she said, sorry, I haven't been in touch. My nephew got married and graduated. Um, so where is it that you said you're from? I caught that. I was like, wait, that's just, that's from left field. What is that? Right. And typically I just go on with life. I, oh, this is where I'm from. And it's not hard to find somebody this day and age. It doesn't matter how hard you try to hide. So it's scary because when that happened, and I know the kind of people that I'm dealing with, and I'm I'm prepared, but it's scary. It it is. And and mommy, that's that's our parents' fault, right? That's our parents' fault for letting us into a world uh, of just so so naive you know just just thinking that we can just trust in everybody and people are are friendly and people are caring because it's just not that way you know i'm the same way i used to trust people and i used to do for people thinking that people would do for me and and i didn't realize till i was in prison and all my friends testified against me that that's just not life everybody you know, walks so, away so it's the only person that's going to care about you and look out for you 100% is yourself, you know? And I live by the moniker of Socrates when he says question everything. And when he says question everything, that means question everything, everything. When a person comes up and says hello to me, I'm automatically going through my mind quickly what the agenda is of this person. Is it just a random hello or um, is this person coming up to me? It's just, I'm Isn't that old. exhausting? Well, of course it is, but it's, it's survival. It's necessity and it's survival because I know that people have agendas and I know that people have motives, right? And not I know that- Not always bad. Not always bad. It does, just because a person has an agenda or a motive doesn't make it bad, but it's up to you to know what it is. If you don't know whether it's good or bad- you're putting yourself in a position where you could end up later saying, I wish I would have never got into this position. Yeah. I could think of a few. (laughs) So it's, it's automatically, it's, it's that critical thought that we're not taught that much anymore. You know, the only way that we're learning critical thinking anymore is, is really through life's experiences. It's not being taught in schools and it's not being, you know, it's not being instilled into our children. Critical thought is not. Because everything else, AI is taking our critical thought. Google is taking our critical thought. Our critical thought process Mm -hmm. now, our critical thought process now isn't how, you know, isn't solution. It's Google. As soon as a dilemma or a problem comes, it's Google it. Let Google think it for me. So our critical thought process is dwindling down. That's bad. So it's. Of course, because it leaves us open for manipulation. It leaves us open for, you know, uh, uh, sleepwalking, manipulation. It's where we're at. This is where we're at. This is how someone else's thoughts. This is how people deny facts. This is how you have a bunch of people running around parroting other people because their their knowledge is only skin deep. 
You know, mm -hmm. I don't portray to know a lot of things. I only speak in depth to the things that I know, which is life's experiences. That's all I can really my speak to. My life's experiences, right. You know, my life's experiences, right. And that, and that's what I say is, is, is my knowledge is my experience. That's all I know, you know, mm -hmm. because everything else is just a matter of somebody's opinion. That's how I look at it. I think I've been lucky in life. I've been real lucky, but grace of God. Um, I've had an angel on my shoulder, found myself in a lot of positions. I haven't been in prison, but I've been arrested. I've been in jail one night, three different times, stupid reasons, but it was enough to scare the hell out of me. You know, I still did stupid things. I've just been very, very lucky. And now I'm a, I'm a grandma I'm called no, no. Now I'm 52. So kind of settled down a little bit. Don't want to, don't want to end up in prison now, but I want to make things right. And I want to make it better. I used to deal with all 28 prisons in Ohio. I'd call every one of them and ask them, or has your program started back up? What programs are you offering? Um, what level of security do they have to be at to take this program and make them accountable? And they hated it. The wardens hated it when we called or the public information officer. I think what's important for people to know is public information. You have a right. I called I called the mayor of Bell Fountain yesterday. I was feeling frisky. So in Ohio's got a Senate bill or the Senate's got a bill 103 about the death penalty, getting rid of it. Ohio's really been fighting to get rid of it hard. So I thought, hmm, I wonder what Bell Fountain mayor's thought is on the death penalty. And that George is on the death row. So I called and Ben Stoller was his name. He got on the phone. He said, this is the mayor. I said, Mayor Stoller, this is Angie with the Blaze Reform and Reentry. Um, we're calling all the mayors, which we are. We're calling all the mayors just to get their stance on what their opinion is and how they feel about the death penalty. How do you feel about it? He said, uh, I don't make that decision. I don't have an opinion. I said, oh, sir, you're absolutely mistaken. You are a taxpayer. You are a citizen. You have just as much right as anyone else. You have an opinion and you can make a change. He said, we can debate this, but I, I have no for nothing else to say. And I said, okay, let me put it a different way, Mayor. If you were standing there and you were voting and you had to check mark, yes, I'm for it, or no, I'm not for the death penalty, which box would you check? He said, I'm ending this call right now. And he hung up. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because, well, because they don't like to be tied down. They don't like to give a definitive answer because they know it's going to come back to them. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been dealing with these people my whole life, unfortunately, you know, and for me, you know, people say that people, people, people are like, you know, well, I went to jail one time and, and I learned and I changed. And, and, and that is a lot of people's opinions and perspectives. I didn't learn and change. I just never got caught. No, I'm not speaking. <laughs> of, yeah, no, no, I'm not speaking of you, but okay. I'm taking what you said and I'm using that generally because that is a very general thing that people say yeah. across the board. Like we have to hear that a lot. People will say, you know, well, I went to jail one time and I learned I yeah. never went back. You went three times. You know, it's it's a common thing for people to say that. And And what I want people to understand is I guess the reason why I never looked at jail or prison in that sense is because for whatever reason that environment was giving me more structure mm -hmm. right it was giving me more structure and it was allowing me to be more of who I wanted to be yeah. than than anywhere in my life was because when I wasn't in jail I felt that I was always under the pressure of living under somebody else's perception, you know, trying to impress people, trying to gain people's respect, trying to be something that I wasn't. And and I guess just as a kid, I was having a conflict of that because I'm still a kid and I still don't know who I am or where my life is going. And I'm impressionable by things that are going on around me, you know, so for me, sadly, it gave me more structure. 
and security, you know, and it, it wasn't until they gave me, you know, 15 years was 17 and a half that I dropped down to 13 till I realized, you know, about halfway through that, that I'm like, it, it finally dawned on me that this isn't me, right? This, this isn't me. I'm looking around and I'm, and I'm seeing that I can't even barely have hardly an educated conversation with anybody, you know? Um, and I'm just saying like, and I'm looking at it and this is with the guards, the guards included, the guards are just as dumb as the inmates. These are people that can't get, you know, jobs that their lives excel in any other direction. So they, they go, it's, it's a factory line job. It's a turnkey job and they pay you an exorbitant amount of money to sit in there on your ass for eight hours and turn keys. You know, that's, it's really a dream job for somebody that don't want their life to go anywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. So these people aren't as intelligent or more intelligent than the the inmates themselves. So you're just surrounded by ignorance on across the board, you know, and, and eventually when you want to rise up above that ignorance, you start saying like, this is not, this is not me. This is not where I want to be in my life. This is not what I want my legacy to be. And that's when Are I changed. Are you structured now? Are you structured now? Um, I am personally. My life is not, right? Um, my life is not, again, because uh, just many socialistic uh, events that, that go on. Some are my fault, some aren't. Um, some are bad decisions. Some are just uh, events of life, right? Yeah. But um, I myself am grounded enough to know who I am, where I am going forward, um, and to know that I'm being guided by spirits, right? I have angels, as you say, spirits that are with me, that are showing me signs every day to, to my horoscope yes. yesterday, right? It's yep. it's. I believe that. That there are there are signs that come to me every day that let me know, like you're you're right on, you're good. Just keep doing what you're doing, good. keep having faith, and we'll deliver. Just leave the rest up to us, and that's what I'm doing. So I'm structured in that sense. Good, good. I'm glad. And that's all. Hard. And that's all I need. It is hard, and and again, I, I don't knock religion. I don't knock anybody's religion. I understand what it does for people. But for me, right, it, it I, I couldn't see God as an outside source. I couldn't find the inner strength that I needed knowing that God was outside of me or that I had to, to, to pray to something or live a certain way that I may have not agreed with in order to gain his fashion. There's just so many aspects of, of religion itself that just right. it wouldn't do anything for me. And it wasn't until I started seeing God within me and knowing that God lives within me, he fuels right. within me, and and I am him to represent him. You know, he's many different faces. He's and everything. Personalities. Yes. He's everything. He's every action, he's every thought. You know, right. and you are the physical form of those actions and thoughts, you know, and yeah. and that's just how I carry through now. So ever since I've just I've been living like that. I, I'm blessed. That's all I can say. You know, nothing that happens to me, yeah. nothing that happens to me through the day I can complain about. I may become emotional, but I, I check myself. You know, like this emotional, this, like angry or sad, just emotionals, just emotions on general. You know, I may become sad over over a material thing because it didn't do what I mm-hmm. wanted it to do. I may become <laughs> angry because somebody's not doing what I want them to do or, yes. you know, or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's all materialism. It's all ego. It's all materialism. And my self trying to be my best self as I, I tell my subscribers and my listeners, you know, is is to not let material affect me spiritually. Right. Right. You know I'm with you there. Um I'm 
very much with you there. I, I believe, and I believe that people can practice their religion and their believe in whatever God they want to believe in, as long as you're, you try to be good, try to be honest. That old saying, "Do unto others as you would, you know, have them do unto you." Just being a good person, doing the right thing. And, you know, like with George, I never would have gotten involved in his case. I, I lived in Ohio when the uprising happened. I lived in Florida, I lived in Sarasota for 25 years. But at the time of the uprising, I was up here. And I remember it happening. I remember it happening. But I never would have looked into it because I knew George as the Lucasville Five. He was the peacekeeper. He was the negotiator. He was in prison. I never looked past that. And, and many people don't look past that. You know, it was his daughter. It was a sign. There was something. I must. I feel like I was searching for something in my life. Um, I've got it on recording too. George, I, we talk to him every day and he says, no one has done as much for me as you and my daughter in the 39 years that I've been here than you guys have done in the last seven months. He said, and he didn't mean this as an insult. He's like, it took two laymen to get, again, with the information. It took two laymen to get records. I started getting records from the prosecutor's office, from the sheriff's office, from the police department, from the courts. I just started sending records requests. I know what I want, what I can get. And if they tell me no, I'm gonna search it. and I'm gonna find out if I can or not. I don't take no very easily. And that's how everything was uncovered for George. And he, his, his feeling, I don't know where he is necessarily with religion, but I can say with George, for going through the things that he's gone through, the 39 years in prison, the 29 years on death row and all of it being wrongfully convicted, he still can smile. He can still laugh. He's got a great sense of humor. He's an amazing man. He is an amazing, amazing man. I never would have looked into this case and made so much noise had it not been for his daughter. And she, she sent me some files and I started reading it. And it was <laughs> the things that he could have done had he not been wrongfully convicted. But like I tell him now, you're touching people's lives now, George. You have touched many lives. You just don't realize it. There is a reason. There's a purpose for everyone. You'll you'll see. He's an amazing man. He's he laughs. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, I'll tell you a story in private. But he's just got. He's a good good man. Yeah, you know, and and hopefully, um, hopefully he'll reach out to me. You know, we're trying to for my listeners. We're trying to get George on the show. Um, he's hesitant because he don't want to lose his phone privileges. His phone privileges is is all the connection that he has. And, and trust me, I've had my phone privileges taken away from me. I know exactly, I, I know how, how that can make you feel. You know, after a week or two of no connection, it it, it can really start to get to you. So, um, Angie, thank you for your time. Um, I'm Thank here. you. Yeah, absolutely. You're great. I told you, don't sweat it, man. This is easy peasy <laughs> you stuff. You know why? <laughs> easy peasy stuff, man. It's okay. This stuff here is, 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 it's. You do a great job. And thank you for what you do. Well, I, I do it for, for people like George and, and so many others that have talent that, um, that want to get out. I'm going to start having guys call me and I'm going to, you know, with their poetry and I'm going to have them oh, yeah. start start reading poetry and stuff. Um, I'm going to start doing stuff for the guys because I know, you know. We just start a newsletter or something. I'll help you. So we're, we're, there's much coming, man. I got so much in store, but the main thing is is to bring us all together. That is the number one agenda, to bring us together, to understand, you know, the, the, the Skates family's issues, to understand so many issues. And even though it hasn't touched your life yet, right? It's about preventing it from, because it is, 
people do not forget that we have over two and a half million people incarcerated and it's not stopping. These people are doing nothing for reform. The reform now that voting is over, reform is out the window. You don't hear about it anymore. This is what happens every four years. So we either have to come together and nobody vote at all. Anybody that has a, 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 a you know an incarcerated family member don't vote. We have to do something to get these people's attention that we mean business, you know, and it and it always comes as in a group. To share with you, when when we had an issue, you know, I've been through several riots, nothing like Lucasville. I, you know, those kind of riots are far, far and few between when they get that out of hand. And when they do get out of that that out of hand, that lets you know that there was some serious corruption going on in that prison, you know. When inmates start bucking like that, I promise you, it's not because we're animals, it's because we're being treated like animals. And that's yeah. those are facts. And every every man, every man, every human being has their, their boiling point, their limits. And those limits are tested every day in prison. And a lot of us put those things to the side because at the end of the day, we know that we put ourselves there, right? So we can have our limits pushed, but there are still limits. We're still men, you know, and it's it's just, yeah, I've said enough. Because of frustration for the wrongfully convicted too. You know, it's one thing to be in there um, and know that, okay, I, I, I messed up. I did a few things. Yeah, I got I to gotta eat this. But then to be there and know you did not do it. And a lot of stuff George is just now finding out for the first time because he's just now getting information that he never saw before. Statements, affidavits from Lucasville, from many offenders as what his real role was during Lucasville. It's it's an amazing story, starting with Arthur Smith. Yeah. Well, until so, the next time, you know, I'm here if you need me. Of course, you know how to get in contact with me. We've been communicating. So we'll call so. Thursday. We're going to call Joel on Thursday. Okay, we'll, we'll, um, we'll set that up. Okay, sounds and, good. Thank all right. you. Yep. Thank you. Absolutely.